Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Danny Rand. One Luke Cage. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I am your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You hope for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 162. I'll have you guys know that Robbie expressly forbidden me from doing a Mr. T voice for Luke Cage. You're welcome. Yeah. Would have been really good, though. Although I did kind of think it was highly inappropriate, so there's that. He's got a good voice, though. I'm not saying he doesn't. I just don't picture, like, Luke Cage. I don't know. I just don't. That's not my Luke Cage voice. I think he kind of does. We, we have a comic this week. We do. I think, that's, I think he we, sounds like we're gonna talk he sounds like about, Mr. T. We're going to talk about that comic. I can't wait. Yeah. We have uh, a big 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 show for you guys today we're talking about the omega men uh later on double nerd xl Boy, in nerd boy book club by tom king and barn bagenda or budgenda i think it's Bag- bagenda sounds better to me it's soft g hard it's 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 a it's a name i don't know bagenda sounds 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 interesting sounds, enough to me sounds like a piece of furniture it's a bagenda it's yeah or i'm 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 wait i'm you i'll be waiting in the bagenda yeah room it's like a very fancy or room. uh or grabber in the Begenda. Oh no. Topical. No, no, no. No, no topical. I don't. Someone, someone posted a, that stupid Fifty Shades of Grey meme. Oh no, I saw in that. In regard to that. But they, no, they, they posted it in an Aesop Rock forum that I'm in. What? Yeah, and then there were like 90 comments. Of people saying, why is this in this, in this forum? And the guy that poses like, whatever, you guys are stupid. And everyone's like, no, I think you're stupid. Well, uh, at least they got to like the core of all internet arguments very quickly. It's, yeah, it didn't. I mean, I didn't see anyone say Nazi, but it was right around the corner. That's, I mean. So I hear we're going to read some books. We are going to read some comic books. We're, we are have, we have a big week. To, to, to talk about uh, with a big week of weekly floppies right in front of us. <laughs> Are you ready, Eric? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's get to it. It's time for weekly floppies. <laughs> weekly floppies is the part of the show where Eric and I will review a selection of this week's books, tell you to buy or do not buy. And there are a bunch of comic books that came out this week that I thought we definitely should be reading. And so I have eight we of them. We definitely read all of them. Eight number one, co- eight number one issues that... I we had six originally, and then I was aware that more comics that I I was like, oh, we should. I saw things come out about certain comics, like, oh, we should probably read that. We needed, we need to know these things. It's only three more than normal. Mm-hmm. It's not crazy. Our first book of the week is Champions Number One, <laughs> written by Mark Wade, pencils Humberto Ramos, inks Victor Alazaba, Edgar Delgado on colors, Clayton Cowles on letter and production. Too many credits. I want to criticize you. What? I was going to say that's in a very inappropriate accent you just affected there. I didn't try. To, I I was trying. You to should have read it in Mr. T's voice. I'm sorry. I was. I wasn't aware I was using an accent. I thought I was just using my voice. I mean, it's dumb sometimes, but I wasn't. There was no affectation going on. Um, 
this is I don't I don't I don't know how I feel about this comic book. Really? Do you like it? I don't hate it. Okay. You know, like I I feel like it it's a little on um the fair to midland side, but it does have a bunch of characters that I think kind of don't get enough play that are some of my favorite characters in Marvel. Um I feel like it's like incredibly heavy-handed even for a superhero book in terms of the uh the human trafficking at the end like mm. that's, that's yeah. a little that's 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 a little footprints on the brain there. Yeah, I, I think it doesn't really belong in this genre. Well, I I for I can I think I can I can I can narrow down my criticisms to one I don't know. I don't I still don't really like Humberto Ramos that much. This is the most palatable uh, art I've ever seen from old Bean Eyes. <laughs> I told I I gave that nickname to uh to Matt. I told him uh-huh. the nickname for Ramos and <laughs> he thought it was pretty funny. Uh yeah, it, I mean it's not that he certainly does a, a good job with I mean it's his style. He, I don't think he's ever going to like suddenly mm-hmm. ch- like change drastically the way he draws. Yeah. No. But is also one, this takes place after Civil War II, which isn't over mm-hmm. yet. This is set Well, I mean this this presupposes that it's over, so yeah. that should make you happy. <laughs> it ends. You're like, oh It is it has one uh, uh one qualification of a just war is that it has an end. So we we have that at least. But it's just like, hey, these kids quit are quitting the Avengers and they're making their own team, they're doing their own thing. And that would set be like, hey, this is going to be like a more fun, more based on maybe teenage drama or like a youth mm-hmm. culture type book. But then it has that human trafficking yeah. and a, a, per, a, a woman dies. It's, like it's, it's well, I mean, the 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 death doesn't bother me, which is a, I mean, that's a strange. I mean, a container, a shipping container that high in the air falling and then getting caught by the Hulk. They're lucky that only one person is dead and not everyone inside it is turned to to pancake batter um but it's like it's like rape it has no place in a superhero comic it just it doesn't make sense and it just shouldn't be done it's just i it's no i i think we can do without it yeah and it's it seems to be like hey our message is we're rejecting the the darkness Mm -hmm. the dark story of some comic books we're trying to be light and but you you, well, like, I think it's, it's I, I don't, go ahead. I was gonna say, well, like, I was gonna say, <laughs> we have too much to say. You it, go, then me. Okay. If you're gonna reject that, you don't need to make the comic book about it. Well, I don't read it as a rejection of the dark whatever. Okay. I just sort of read it as the idea of, cause there's a big undercurrent of, youth culture and young people pushing back against the establishment, the older people, and saying, no, I know how to do it better than you. And we see examples of that with, you know, like, you know, a a generation ago of people getting rich off of the first software companies and then Zuckerberg creating like Facebook when he was in his 20s. And there's just this narrative out there of, well, this is how the young people are going to figure it out. And I think that's what this is trying to, to, this is what the, that's trying to capitalize on. The idea of, well, 
the the older generation has decided that this stuff is just acceptable and it's not acceptable to us and we're going to take things into our own hands. That's really how I read it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I just... I, I don't read it as, oh, well, let's get away from that and have a book that's silly and fun. It's let's get away from that and let's take these things seriously our own way. It just happens to be a book that's about kids and by, like, a notoriously kind of silly cartoonist. And having, like, a jester as the villain. Yeah. I thought we decided not to do that anymore. Like, I thought we had hit, like, peak. Like, hey, Harley Quinn and Joker and the numerous other clones. Mm -hmm. Why again? I don't know. They just probably just wanted someone who looked creepy. Yeah, and that's... I I wonder if this was made long long enough ago to be out in front of this whole stupid creepy clown fad <laughs> that everyone's talking I imagine, about. Like, what I imagine the hell is wrong with people? I imagine it. And why why do we have to talk about every stupid ass thing that happens that's noteworthy and and then encourage other people to do it everywhere else? I mean, I, Jesus. Social media has turned us into a, a, a stupid hive mind. Speaking of social media, the last page of this comic book, hashtag, yeah. hashtag, hashtag champions, hashtag champions. I just, are you a buy? <sighs> Kinda, yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. You know, I like Totally Awesome Hulk. I like, I like Kid Nova. I love Miss Marvel. I like, uh, I like Miles Morales. I mean, all these, these are some of my favorite characters, and I, did something happen to Viv's brother? I was really worried there was going to be a spoiler. Do you want me to tell you? Do I want to know? Is it a, is it a massive spoiler? Uh, sort of. Oh, if God. you want to, want to read the Vision. No, I want to, I want to read Vision. Vision okay. is good. Do, do, you, do I want it spoiled for me? No, you don't. You should read Vision. Okay. All right. I, I just want to read Vision. He is not in this comic book. Yeah. He is not in this comic book. He is notably absent. But I like I like Viv. I like her a lot. It, like her presence may be the thing that makes me keep buying this book, honestly. Yeah. And like I just like these guys have like their work on Impulse in the nineties, these this team was is heralded as like some of the best comics superhero comics of that time period. And I feel like it certainly has the potential to be something really, really special. I just don't I I the thing I do like about this comic is that there are only five of them. And I'm assuming there's, there's a young Cyclops in the, the front of the book on the, in the mm. second, on the first and, page. And at the back. Yeah. His face punched. Him. Yeah. His face punched in, which just makes me assume, Hey, next issue they'll punch him and then they'll be friends at the end. Um, I just don't like you see near the end, there's like, you get to see all these other, you know, Luna. And then the Riri Williams is supposed to be the new an a, a new Iron Man plus the new Wasp. And like, I don't want this to be a giant team book. I would mm. prefer it to keep it relatively tight. Yeah. Um. It's the, I don't want Hickman's Avengers. I don't want like forty people. I just give me five. It's fine. Five. I like all these people in this book. You're like yes. what you said. I don't need yes. more and more and more of them. It's gonna dilute it. I could not agree more. I think all of those other characters just are going to make it worse. Maybe, maybe you could have young Cyclops. Maybe. I don't, he's the one I want the least. Really? Yeah. 
I, I, just, they, liked, I, they I, I just liked all that all that uh, time traveling X Men stuff. I, I liked it, stuff. and then it should have ended. I it should have they should have gone back in time. I respect that because it makes no sense that they're still there, but whatever. I, I'm have a, eye punches. Mm, Come on, eye punches. There's already we're gonna get to the adult Cyclops soon enough. I'm a a, a, a mushy buy. I'm like a two. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll second you on that. You'll second my two. Mm-hmm. I'll two your second. So double buy. Champions number one, mushy, mushy, mushy meter number at a two, at a two point oh out of five. Our next book up is Jessica Jones number one, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art Michael Gatos, colors Matt Hollingsworth, letters Corey Pettit. Uh, they are. This is a return to the Bendis helmed, mm-hmm. mature Jessica Jones book. Uh, you know, alias to this. Yep. I'm gonna ask you a question, Eric. Okay. Does this this book feels different to me than the previous Jessica Jones? Okay. Does it feel different to you? Not a lot. I think my perception of the character has changed. I've learned more about her. I've, uh, I mean, we've spent all that time with the Jessica Drew book. Um, all this stuff around Power Man's come out. I, I just think my understanding of these other characters around her has changed a lot. It just is, I mean, hell, that book was set in the 90s, wasn't it? I think it was like early 2000s. I want to say it was so con- it, it, concurrent it felt, with when it came it, out. Yeah, it it felt very 90s to me. So I think it she was just sort of not very hip when she came, when it came out. But, um, I, I don't really see a, a huge difference. I think it fits in pretty well. It just seems like it's set in a Marvel universe that's not that Marvel universe. That's true. So it does, it feels a little, it does feel a little weird like that. Like Misty Knight coming in with a goddamn robot arm. Jessica Drew feels pretty normal. And I, I it, it doesn't really feel bad to me. It doesn't feel unnatural. It, I don't, I, I don't, I'm, I, I'm feel, it feels comfortable to me. Okay. I don't, I just feel, I just didn't, I didn't enjoy this. I didn't have fun with it. I don't think that her stories were really fun, were they? Well, not, I didn't you think mean they like, were fun I did, at all. I did not like reading this. That's fine. I, uh, I just, and I don't know, I can't necessarily pinpoint specifically what it is. Maybe it's like the Marvel Universe has changed and this character has a, like, it's, been weird seeing her like in her you know the first that first Jackson Jones book was a max book you know it was an adult book mm-hmm. things they would not put in the normal Marvel universe and now but then she became a part of the normal Marvel universe and she is you know always kind of on the sidelines you don't really see her she's a mom for the most part you know she's like a foul-mouthed mother I think is the is I think the shorthand way I would describe her place in the normal Marvel universe. And I think I'm having trouble having those two things coalesce. Having this book where for some reason all these other people are like chasing after and they don't know where her baby is, where their child Mm -hmm. is. And maybe it's a part of me that just, I just want all these people to get along. You know, I don't want them to have a fight over a a fight over a child. It just seems like you're more struggling with the idea of the uh, the decision to break up Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. If that's even... We don't even... 
I mean, it's no, it's decided. It's it's definitely true that they are they're definitely broken up. I what I'm saying is, by the end of this comic book, are they going to be broken up? I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's at this point. Like that's decide. I mean, it is it is a decided thing that it's going to happen if it hasn't happened. If that's what we're supposed to presuppose at the beginning of this, I went into this book thinking that that was already the case. That that was more or less the word on the street. Okay. Um, but that is definitely happening. And I, I don't. I I really I didn't like it. I I think it's like it's returning her to this status quo that she starts the first book that the alias in. You know where she's like a down on her luck private investigator. You know and mm. and the world's against her. And I feel like she yeah. fought her way out of that a little bit. And that was her place in the Marvel universe. And then just putting her back right there. And we don't see any of that. It all happens off, off the page for the most part. And then the, I, I don't like, for, for me, at least I remember thinking the reason I didn't like the Jessica Jones television show. And the reason I liked the comic books was she was so much more vulnerable in the comics that she had a lot more problems and she wasn't just like, oh, I'm, I'm tough girl in a leather jacket and I'm such a badass and, you know, I'm going to sit here and make a face and then I'm going to punch a wall. That she had genuine problems other than like, oh, well, I'm going to drink a little bit too much and yeah. then look cute in a leather jacket. Um, this is right in keeping with how I see her, you know, that she's, she's going to struggle and she's going to make bad, somewhat irrational decisions and she's going to figure her shit out. That is exactly who her character is to me. And it is a good fit. I'm, I'm interested to see where this is going and how she's going to fit into all this stuff. I think you saying that it makes me think that I liked her. I like that alias ended. I think right. that that's the thing. I think like, I like that book just that it had a story and then it, it was over and then transplanting, like mixing those two worlds, the normal Marvel universe and the Max universe where like Punisher Max ended, you know, like that was mm -hmm. Frank Castle just, it, there was an ending to that story and in, in a way that makes, that gives it like a uh, closure and finality and makes it like that character more serious. And when you have that book that had a, f like a finite ending and it, and then, and then it just starts over again. I just, I, I want her to have a different set of, like, problems, a different story. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I just, and I also, this is more a nitpicky thing. Yeah. But the fact that she's investigating, or I, I don't know if this is going to carry over. I feel like it is. That's where I see the book going. That it's going to be investigating what, where, like, the ultimate version of people suddenly merging with the the six one six version of people back in, over at the end of Secret Wars. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the the mystery of this this woman's husband. That would make a lot of sense. That doesn't. I don't. Why, this that seems like a way bigger sci fi idea than a private investigator. This like the first book had I don't know grimmer, more conspiratorial kind of overtones. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of don't like that. That's the thing she's. And hunting down like fat Mark Ruffalo at the end there. I don't, uh, I don't, there's just something about this book that I just don't like. I feel like, I feel like I've moved on. I feel like that's it. I feel like I've moved past this. 
Like, I feel like I'd be it, more comfortable with Jessica Jones as being a superhero. Or, like, or... No, I don't They did that with Spider-Woman. That's a thing, like... Right, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I mean, I guess that is the question. Do you think this sort of return to form? Because for me, yeah, it is a, it's a total return to form. The art, I mean, they, they even have David Mack doing shit. It's, it's, you could not get closer to the original source material. And I think it's pretty good. Um, but I think it's totally valid what you're saying that can this really fit? Does it really make, is it really saying something unique to return to this, to break these characters up and have her have her own book and just do the exact same thing again? Maybe not. Maybe this is just, oh, well, the Jessica Jones thing was a pretty big hit on Netflix, and then maybe people didn't like her with Luke Cage. So let's break them up, and now let's do a book about her on her own. Maybe people will like it. It has name recognition. I think that I like the return to form. I think it fits, and you don't think it fits. So I think that's pretty clear. That's the... That's the split there. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, like, I, I think it is still, like, this is the Bendis I like. You know, the mm-hmm. like the, the sitcom style, yeah. like the, you know, the West Wing, walk and talks, like, that kind of stuff. Like, that's the, I much prefer him writing this than Civil War II. But, and it, and it still looks nice, and I, like, it is a well-made comic book, but I, I don't want to, I'll just, I'd rather just read Alias if, like, I want to read, like, a Jessica Jones comic. Like, I feel like that story is and i think i do think that it's name recognition now is like there's a reason it's yeah. called jessica jones like they yes. they want uh but, they want to sell jessica jones books to people that sell the jessica jones show they do uh i'm yeah. i'm a i'll say this it's a good comic i'm a do not buy yeah and i'm buy so i mean i think it's it's pretty clear split decision on jessica jones number 1 next up is cage Number one. It has an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. I have to say it. Dig it. By, how do you, do you know how to say his first name? Gendy, Gendy Tartakovsky is Gendy? what I have always heard. Gendy okay. Tartakovsky. Gendy Tartakovsky. Always, yes. Which is, uh, I think, written and drawn with inks by mm-hmm. Stephen DeStefano, colors Scott Willis, letters Clayton Cowles. Uh, this comic book has been, Marvel's been sitting on this for, like, I believe years. Hmm. Like, I think this was first announced in 2010, I want to say, or uh-huh. like, it's been, it's been a long time. I know that. And I don't know particularly, like, I don't know if there's been delays on production or if they just have had a finished product and like, they didn't know when to put it out. Uh, obviously, hey, Luke Cage is on Netflix right now. Maybe they went like, well, we, this is a strange thing by a, a relatively well-known creator, you know, uh, Gen- Gendy Tart- Tartakovsky, Samurai Jack, I think mm-hmm. is the, the thing I think of, but he's done work on many other, like... Dexter's you know, Lab. Dexter's Laboratory is the other big one. Um, so, you know, he's a relatively, you know, very well-known uh, creator, especially in, you know, a, I think those the overlapping audiences of those shows and comic books are probably, you know, it's probably a good margin of people who read comics and watch those types of shows. But this is a, it's like a black exploitation comic. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's what, that's what Cage was. Yes. My understanding. Yeah. The first, in like, the seventies. Power Man. Supposed to, yeah. yeah. Power Man in the seventies was a black exploitation comic, but now mm-hmm. 
like is this a straight up black exploitation comic or is it like a parody of a black exploitation comic or like wh- how what is this like that's mm-hmm. the question i was re- as i was reading it, i'm like what a, what am i supposed to think this is because it's not a straight superhero comic even though it has some superhero stuff in it yeah and i you know i i'll 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 tell you what i think about this okay i am a big fan of uh of gendy tartakovsky's art i think this book is really really beautiful i think he handles the characters really well um and it 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 borrows a lot of really nice things from uh, like classic animation but it's things that don't i don't particularly want this book i don't want luke cage to be a joke i don't want i don't want it to be silly i wouldn't mind seeing gendy tartakovsky do some books but this is I don't know. This is this is not my Luke Cage. This is not the product that I want. I feel like it's a little a little um I don't want to say insensitive, but it's 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 clumsy, you know? When you talk about this stuff that was done out of ignorance, you know, in the seventies and you parody it now, it just it I don't know, it looks dumb. But it's hard for me to not like this because the book looks so good, but it it feels like it feels like an old man who doesn't know he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. Yeah, I think I can. It like it looks like the cartooning in it is really really good, and like it, everything is like dynamic and big. You can really tell it's drawn by an animator, right? Um, that it, the the first name that popped into my head. Like, I just started reading, and then I had to look back and see, like, who drew this? Because it's amazing. I, I was like, it, it, it makes me think of uh, John Chris Felusi, but honestly, his comics are not as good as this. Um, but he definitely has a lot of those um, great uh, animator principles, you know? Like, the characters, like, they're recognizable in every panel. But he never he's not drawing them the same at all. It's like everything is completely different, but still recognizable. Like I it's it's really very impressive. He's a superlative cartoonist. It looks like it, it, I don't know. It feels like that he took this idea and was like, well, I want to do I want to do like a, a Luke Cage, but set in the 70s thing, but not take into account the 40 years of. Mm-hmm. stuff that's happened in between and yeah I, again i i'm right there with you i don't really want this i like i already have like power man and iron fist that's the book like it has it's also beautiful but it also he's not a joke in it you know and there's yeah. there's humor in that book but mm-hmm. th- it's not it luke cage is not the joke you know it's it's not hey look it's the same problem i have with some tarantino movies Mm-hmm. In that, hey, I love the I love the, the pastiche of black exploitation movies or any exploitation movies of, of different time periods. But I, you can't use that without also having to take into account the problems with exploitation movies, and especially the problems with a white man like unironically enjoying exploitation movies. Like there's, and it's a. A very complicated issue that I don't know. I don't. I certainly don't have the the the, the breadth of knowledge to kind of tackle. But I don't. It, it, there's. I've seen p- 
people on Twitter complained about this comic book. Of course they of, did. Of course they did. I'm not going to say that Tartakovsky, I'm not saying he's a racist. I'm just saying that I feel like he made this comic like in a vacuum. Like I, I yeah. it, it feels like that's what happened. And I feel like that's why Marvel is kind of hesitant about what to do with this thing because they probably go, well, we want to release it, but we don't know. And I don't, I, as, as like this guy has top notch artistic sensibility. You see that in like everything he's ever worked on, but mm-hmm. I, this comic book, I don't, I'm a do not buy. I don't, I was excited when I first saw it, but reading it, like I, it, it has, if you're going to do this, it has to be smarter. Yeah. And this is, this is not a smart comic book for the most part. No, it's not. I, I, I don't want to say do not buy, but honestly, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I'd be wrong even to go five on the mush meter. Um, it's challenging for me to, to come down on either side of that fence. But I, honestly, Rob, I think you're right on that, that it's, it just isn't the kind of thing that we should encourage. Even as it, it's, it isn't, uh, it, it's not as bad as it could be. And I would like to see him do, do books, just not this one. Yeah. I'd like to see, I, I think he'd do an amazing, like, classic X-Men series. Do that. Parody Chris Claremont. That'd be incredible. This, yeah, like, this I'll, reads like a Mad Magazine comic from, like, the mid-90s. Like, that's what it reads, like, it, or even earlier. Like, it, just, that's what it, mm-hmm. like, it's very surface level, and it is, like incredibly reliant on the time period and the art. Yeah. And I don't know. It just has, it has to do more for me to want to say like, I, I, I'm a do not buy. Yeah. I, I thought I was going to say buy on this, but, um, you've convinced me as, as beautiful as this book is. I don't think, uh, I don't think we should encourage it. So, so double, I, I, I say don't buy it. Double do not buy. On cage number one, cage number one pains pains me to say that. I, I mean, I, it, it seriously like it. It kind of hurts me to say that I, because I, this this book is gorgeous and I I love looking at it. I was very when I first saw that Marvel's finally releasing the Gendy Tartakovsky Luke Cage book. I'm like, oh man! Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, as, as more coverage came of it and I saw more yeah. previews of it, I'm like, oh maybe this. Yeah. Is, mm. uh, let's see. Our next book is Death of X, number one, written by Jeff Lemire, Charles Soule, art Aaron Cooter, colorist Maury Hollowell, letters Joe Sabino. You ready for another big crossover event, Eric? Hmm. I'm, I'm a little tired of them. Me too. Uh, I mean, this is, it's been hinted at for a while now with the rise of the Inhumans as a kind of a presence in the Marvel Universe. And the way the terror genesis bomb has kind of spread over the earth, I, you, and the kind of there's been leaks of the all the events that are going to be the next. There's, th- there's going to be three of these Marvel versus Human X Men versus Human things. Mm-hmm. With I, the, I think I forget the title of the middle one, but the third one's Resurrection. So there you go. This book really doesn't want me to like it. <laughs> like I. I really like Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule. I like Aaron mm-hmm. Cooter. I like his art, and this book looks really nice. It kills Jamie Madrox, Madrox, whichever one. Multiple Man. It kills Multiple Man. I like Multiple Man. Where does he die? 
He's at the end when the because he is the person manning uh, Moore Island basically because he can make so many of himself. Mm-hmm. And then he's he they they find uh he's at the he like dies in the arms of Cyclops. Mm. He's gone. Yeah, he's out in the field um, with all his bodies. They're all him. Um, I don't know. For a long time, Multiple Man had like a happy ending. He had just kind of gone off into a farm. Which to live his life, and I kind of was happy with that. Like I don't need another ma- multiple man story. He's like a really kind of a he's like that charming asshole character that finally like that re- like grew and became a good person, and that they just to bring him back to kill him off like this. Yeah, and like this book is trying to do its groundwork to make both these sides like I don't know sympathetic. Like, hey, mm. we're, they're just—they're both just trying to survive, and they're not really necessarily angry. Like, they don't necessarily hate each other for any other reason other than that. They're kind of their odds, their survival are odds at, with each other. It's—I think it's a. This book ties into a lot of the problems I've had with the new Inhumans books, and I don't know. I feel like I'm a buy on this just because I want to give it a chance because I like the creative team and I want it to be more than just, hey, dumb punching. And they haven't, they haven't gotten to that point yet. You know, it's not just a big dumb fight with big silicon. Mm-hmm. Sil- you know, it's not gotten to that point in Civil War II where it's really stupid. It, <laughs> it could be really good. Like anytime you see the X-Men really like challenged and like brought to the brink of extinction, like they've done it a billion times now, but every, like it's interesting because it changes their status quo to a point and let, let you tell new stories with them. I always like, I really love the Inhumans and then they started doing all this new comics with them. And it, I feel like they have diluted what made the Inhumans special and different from the X-Men. Uh, and now they just feel like they're kind of in a big lump together. And I guess this, I, the very fact it's called, like, there's an X-Men versus Inhumans thing, like, that's, I think that's actually the name of the second thing, is X-Men versus Inhumans, which, always the fighting. Um, I just, I, I, I'm a buy, but I don't have hope. Hmm. My expectations are low. I wish I had stronger feelings about this book. You have a lot more stock, I think, in both the X-Men and the Inhumans. Yeah. And it's, I I don't know, I, I enjoy it, and to me, it's just another X-Men and Inhuman story. So I I don't know, I'm not as bothered by the the decisions that you're, you're, you're bringing up here. Um, hmm. Let me ask you this, just um, okay. in regard to how this book is happening. The last thing I remember is like there were there were big Terrigen clouds that were created. Um, it was like a bomb or something that Maximus created, wasn't that what it was? Yeah, and Black Bolt exploded it at the end of uh, yeah. when he was fighting Thanos mm-hmm. and exploded it, Adalon. And so that this, that's yeah. kind of what the birth of all these inhuman like the the two inhuman books. Now there's only one inhuman book mm-hmm. again. The Crystal book got canceled. Uh, which I mean, Marvel's well, well, re- well, my, go ahead. Well, my whole, well, I was going to say the whole thing I was the question I was leading to was where in the hell is this cloud coming from? It can't possibly still be that. That's I mean, they, that was that was a long time ago. Well, again, time in the Marvel Universe is malleable. Like, hey, it's I get that. It hasn't been that long. They could say they probably are saying that is probably exactly what they're saying. You know, it's not they've been that long. Uh, I, I think it's like it's floating around, you know, it's in the atmosphere. So it kind of. 
as the atmosphere moves and shifts with winds and weather formations, it kind of sweeps through different areas. I think I think that's what they're the canon the canonical reasoning behind all that. It's ludicrous. I the I'm not even gonna try and dig into like the science if any of oh, that. Oh, I'm is. not. A- I'm not asking for my comic books to be scientifically accurate. Yeah, like, that's just ridiculous. But I. I don't know. If there's a big Terrigen event, it would be nice that there was something to cause it other than, you know, a thing from two years ago. I mean, it, that the, the that fight with Thanos was, was that Infinity? That was, yeah, basically. That was a really long time ago. It was a while. That was like an absurdly long time ago. I, I don't have any strong feelings one way or the other about this book. Um, I think that it's worth delving into just on the strength of the creative team. Um, it's interesting and it's fun and I, I want it to be good. So I, I suppose I'm a buy. I don't have any, any deep reservations, but I'm also not like, I am not highly excited for this book. I like all these characters and I want this to be good. And this is, this comic, this issue isn't bad or anything. Like it's, it, it, no. it, it has like the characters feel like they're written, you know, in character mm-hmm. and the art looks, I like Aaron Cooter's art a lot. I'm glad that he's, oh, yeah. I like him. I like seeing him in Marvel. Uh, I don't, I just have, I have a feeling like after in the middle of more in, in humans versus X-Men, I'm going to go, I hate this. This is stupid. I'm going to have like that same angry rant that I had with civil war too. Well, we got to let it happen. Yeah, exactly. So uh, double buy death of X number one. <laughs> an unexcited. <laughs> so sad about uh, an that. Excited double buy death of X. Number yeah. One. Uh, next that's up. The, that's the flavor of the buy. Huh? Yeah, it is. It's, I think they, they each have their own little inflections. Mm hmm. Uh, next up, we are doing Midnighter and Apollo, number one, written by Steve Orlando, art Fernando Blanco, Romulo Fajardo Jr. on colors, Josh Reed on letters. This book's awesome. Yeah, Orlando can do no wrong, I think. He's fighting train pirates. It's so stupid. It's crazy. <laughs> a tra- yeah, there's a train then, golem. He, he fights a train golem. God. Man. Midnighter is a scary dude. He is. And, and like, I, I don't know, having a gay couple as, like, mm-hmm. the forefront of a superhero comic book is refreshing. Like, it's a thing, it's new. This is not a thing you see. And, like, it makes other, like, it, just that element alone can just make this comic book seem, like, fresh. Mm-hmm. It's a thing you, it's a dynamic that's not explored very often. And I applaud DC for having this book out there. Yeah, for having the cojones to let a, a top notch creator make a good book and not telling them that they can't. And like all the, aside from that, all the comic booky stuff in it is also, it feels like I, I'm going to talk about uh, the Warren Ellis and Wildstorm stuff in a bit, but it feels like Orlando is carrying on that the weird sci- sci-fi tradition that was in those Ellis books. Like it feels like these two characters are the some of the the transplants that DC moved over from, you know, the Authority and and Stormwatch and all those books. And 
you know, I've, I've, I think I brought it up when we talked about Midnighter for Book Club that, you know, Midnighter was this weird analog, analog for Batman and Paul was this weird analog for Superman and they're a gay couple. And how does that happen in the DC universe? And it's like, well, you just kind of ignore everything else and you keep the tone of the book consistent with all those other stories. And like, I am, I, this is an excited buy. I really, I like this book is awesome. Mm. Is this, has there been any, any Midnighter since, uh, the end no. of the last book? No, I, he may have appeared in like a Grayson book. Yeah. I mean, he, no, he's, but... been, he's definitely been in here and there, but it is, it's definitely good. Um, more Steve Orlando Midnighter. I mean, it, it, it feels good to, to, to be back in that world. So I'm, I'm, I think, I think excited by, yeah, I like that. Because I mean, why the hell not? Although I will say um, that he did go to hell, apparently. Well, DC's hell. Hmm. Hey, I don't. I don't sure. I know. I'm more. I'm more like knowledgeable about Marvel's various under realms than DC's. Really? Yes. So I don't know how many hells there are in DC. I know Marvel has various different. You know, there's Inferno, and you know they they're not going to say this is hell, hell, but it's a hell. Yeah, and I'm no, not, it's hell in I'm, DC. I'm not sure it's if hell. DC just says, hey, hell, hell's here, this is hell. Theoretically, it should be the same one that was in uh, Sandman. It looks like the one from Sandman. That's true. Theoretically, it should be. Yes. But I don't, we'll see. We'll see I mean, if, the, San, we'll see if Lucifer shows up. No, he probably will not. No, he probably I mean, will. Sandman was written in DC continuity. I mean, it had Martian Manhunter and... Mm-hmm. All kinds of weird characters in it. But yeah. Double by Midnighter and Apollo number one. Next up is Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love number one. Can you hear, can you hear him laughing while he reads that title? I just, it's a, it is a title. I'm, I'm all it for is. it when comic books do dumb titles like that. Uh, written by Sarah Vaughn, illustrator Lan Medina, colors Jose Villarubia, letters Janice Chang. This is Sarah Vaughn of Alex and Ada, correct? I assume it's the same. Yeah. It feels a lot like that sort of dreamy and conversational. It, yeah, it does have that same kind of mm-hmm. tone. Mm-hmm. And this weird, it's like a Victorian horror romance. Mm-hmm. It feels like a, a Mary Shelley book. Mm. So I kind of like this, and I hate Frankenstein. Really? You, you've read books other than than Frankenstein by Mary Shelley? I I'm certain I have. I cannot remember them. I remember I I've been assigned them. I'll say that. Mm. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I, I don't. It just it's the uh, it's obviously I think the setting weighs into that. It, you know, it's mm-hmm. very a spooky kind of thing. Yeah. With, it, with, with the yes ghosts hanging about. Uh, it, you know, Dead Man's in this. Mm-hmm. This is uh, ostensibly a Dead Man comic, although he's not—he's not really the main character. No, it's the 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 the, the woman. Mm-hmm. What's her name? I can't think of her name. Baroness. It's not. It, it's it's not really very prominent in this book. Baroness is her name. Baroness. I believe so. Yeah. That is an awful name. <laughs> I yeah. This is a weird thing. It's incredibly weird. A mean that I don't know what happened in DC. Someone flipped the lights back on or something, but (laughs) (laughs) 
someone turned on the creativity switch back. They went, oh, wait, we can, we can do this. And they did. Yeah. Someone, some janitor had to unplug the creativity <laughs> machine on his, when he was buffing the floor. Chunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know. Oh, wait. People are buying books that aren't Batman and Double Batman. A couple years later, some guy wandered in the room that had been locked and was like, what's this? Why is this unplugged? Plugs mm-hmm. it back in. Whoa! You've really thought this metaphor through, haven't you? I'm just I'm just that good. I guess so. I, I, again, it's a weird thing, but I like it. I'm intrigued by the weird mystery of this house. It's a haunted house story, kind of, at the end of mm-hmm. the day. And, I, you know, having Dead Man, like, it's a nice, it's very tenuously connected to DC as a whole, but I don't care. It's a, a weird, strange thing. This feels like a, a more f- fleshed out uh, story that should be in, like, fresh romance or something, except with Dead Man and weird mysteries. I don't know. I am, I was not unhappy to read it. What do you think of the art? It's good. It's a little stiff. It is. The uh the 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 acting of the characters is also a little corny. Uh, what what page is this on? I'd always read that. I just read that as like you know, like kind of appealing to the genre, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, like big faces. And I get that, but corny. like look at like look at page forty two where she's she's getting indignant uh about being possessed. Oh right. <laughs> It's like so corny, and it's so obvious. Like all of these were done with extensive photo reference, which I'm all for. That's fine. I don't think that that reflects poorly on an illustrator using a lot of photo reference. But but living and dying on it leads to panels like that where you you kind of clunk around and you don't really add the right kind of emotion to a figure. Like that's just I don't know. You have a limited amount of time. To do a lot of work when you make a comic, so not everything's going to be perfect. But I, I don't know it. That is a cornball uh, illustration right there, and it's it's funny to me. There's a couple of little examples like that where it just doesn't quite work. I, I kind of just like I said, it, it is corny. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of read it as well. No, I know. It, this comic is corny. And maybe it's it's soap opera corny. Yeah, it's that. It's that. That's what I kind of went like. Oh yeah. 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 Which. Yeah, I I get that. I which I'm it it kind of blended in with the kind of the general aesthetic of this book, which is very much like there. I I think there's like like room like there's multiple romances happening and there's several flashbacks mm-hmm. plus there's a you know dead man's there like on top of all like there's just a lot of yeah and he's he's gonna he's gonna have a romance with uh some dead lady from the cover of a romance novel i think that's what's happening I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a buy as much for that i enjoy this comic also for the fact that dc is publishing a weird thing like this it's uh, no you gotta encourage the weird things and not like the vaguely racist books, even if they're good. Oh, God, that still hurts me. <laughs> that really hurts me. So double buy on yeah. Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, number one. <laughs> God, that's really the title. It is the title. That's really the title. Oh, God. I like it. It 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 it, it also is in, in kind of tone with the book. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's... It's pretty tongue in cheek. 
Our next book is Shade, the Changing Girl, number one, written by Cecil Castellucci, uh, art Marley Zarconi, colors Kelly Fitzpatrick, letters Saida Temofonte. They had the teaser for this in Doom Patrol, mm -hmm. and I remember being very impressed with it and thinking, oh, this looks cool. I really want to know what the hell this is about. And I read this book, and I still don't know what the hell this is about. Okay, I'm going to give you this my... This is the my, craziest thing. This you is go. a very crazy thing. I'm going to give you my understanding. Like, this is... That's the thing. Like, I read... They had... um, in I was literally on a Skype call with Matt. Mm. And I was looking at Comixology, and I'm like, Oh, Shade the Changing Girl comes out this week. And he's like, what is that about? And I literally read the solicitation to him. Mm-hmm. Which, if I had not read that solicitation, I don't know if I'd know what was happening in this comic book. Well, I have pieced together sort of an understanding about what's going on, and I'll I'll tell you that. Okay, what's your and understanding? You, and then you tell me your thing, okay? okay? All right. Okay, so there is this young girl, whatever in the hell her name is, um, gets, like, blasted out of her mind on ecstasy or something. And it basically, it puts her into like a crazy drug coma, right? This, like, she's out for the longest time. Like, Brain basically dead. her, yeah, 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 exactly. Vegetable. Yes. Um, and her, it, it kind of looks like her friends, like, just decided they didn't like her <laughs> at that moment and just decided to get rid of her. So there's some, there's some, like, whiff of conspiracy there. Mm hmm. But kind of like Delirium from the Sandman, this weird, otherworldly, extra-dimensional alien thing, mm -hmm. uh, in, it, it, it was inspired by some poet or some sort of creature that it admires that went to Earth and did whatever in the shit it did, and it decides, well, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna possess this brain-dead vegetable, and I'm going to piece together her life in this crazy way, but all reality's broken down and it doesn't make any sense because we're seeing it mostly through her eyes. You're, you're mostly there. Yeah. That's mostly, I mean, uh, I, the re, like, it, I, that, the thing that possesses her is straight up an alien. Mm -hmm. I think it's straight up just, hey, I'm an, it's an alien. The okay. reason everything is going like crazy, like all the weird things, that's because it's, it's wearing a special coat called the madness coat. Which also enables her to go to Earth. She's obsessed with Earth culture. Yes. And like aliens, aliens had a, this, these particular aliens, I think, from what I've gathered, is that they had a very passing fad with Earth culture, much like we had passing fads with like Australian culture back when Crocodile Dundee, Yahoo Serious. Uh, and so, but she kept being obsessed with it, even after the fad was over. Mm -hmm. So she, she goes to Earth and finds this comatose girl and uh, goes into her body and the reason she sees so such the weird stuff is because of this madness coat she wears. Uh, I I'm not sure if it's just the drugs that makes her a, made her a vegetable because I know that she was also like left to yeah. drown. I don't know what. Yeah. You know, that's the mystery kind of thing. We're like we're trying to piece together. Like she seemed very much like the the like the queen bee, like the 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 homecoming queen kind of lead gossiper. Mm -hmm. You know power she's center. The, she's the main girl she's the mean girl like and her friends just kind of got tired of it and we're like yeah fine. no exactly we're fine with fucking her over or, kill, is, or killing is, her this is an interesting looking book 
And that if you had asked me, like, who did the art for this, I would say that James Harvey did it with, like, assists from uh, um, uh, Brandon Graham. Right. But he, they, he would never touch DC books. No. Brandon Graham wouldn't. I'm aware. Uh, and James Harvey did not work on this. James Harvey's left hand is broken, and he can't draw. Did you know that? I think I saw that, yeah, somewhere. And he's been talking about it a lot. He is a he is a very interesting and chatty person. To be um, uh, Mar- Marley Zarconi, who did the work on this, uh, she worked with Brandon Graham. Yeah, I uh, these alien things are very Brandon Graham. She's worked on Elephant Men. She worked on Pop Gun stuff. She worked with Stoko. Like that checks out. She's married to Stoko. Okay, never mind. Okay, there you go. She's married so to James she- Stoko. So she worked him over real good. He got Grunch, Robbie. I, I'm aware. I I like this book. It's a, another weird thing. Another young animal book. Mm-hmm. They, I, they like making weird fucking shit, don't they? Yeah, I'm... And, I mean, there's a backup story in this by Gilbert Hernandez. Yeah. In a DC published book. It's a, I'm, again, whoever plugged that machine back in at DC... I'm a buy. I think it. I think it took them about a year to realize, a year or two to realize they can't just keep rehashing the same three Batman books. I. I yes. I. It's much better to take a gamble on weird shit. Are you a buy of this? Oh, of course. Okay. I don't know. I. I just kind. I just wish it made more fucking sense. I think if it made any, if it made more sense, it would lose some of its charm. That's true. Speaking of which, is that a segue? That is a segue. Okay. That's a double buy on Shade the Changing Girl, number one. Our speaking last. Speaking of segues. Speaking of segues. Our last book of the week. There's a, I think some, I saw a funny tweet. He's like, I really wish podcasts would mention, uh, their segues more often. <laughs> they, they never talk about it. <laughs> what the fuck? It's true. We never talk about how we segue from thing to thing. Uh, our last book of the week is Shipwreck, number one. Uh, written by Warren Ellis, art Phil Hester, inks Eric Gapster, Mark Englert on colors, Marshall Dillon on letters. Phil Hester's cool as shit. Yeah, that's a, a good team right there. No, it is. Which which part of the coffin was Phil Hester? Was he the writer or the artist on that? I think I think Huddleston was the artist. I can't yeah. remember. I believe, yeah, I believe you're correct. I, I, I don't know. You get two great artists together and they make the most beautiful book ever. That, I mean, that's part of Ellis's, like, when he was doing publicities for these, he's like, it's like having Phil Hester as your artist is a, a boon because he's also an amazing writer on top of yeah. his art. What the fuck's happening in this book? I'm not sure. I, like, it's so weird. I mean, the last book, I could piece some shit together. This is insane. It is. This I, is, this is, this is, this is like, this is just like peak Warren Ellis that he's just like, all right, I am just going to like angrily show you shit and you have to figure this shit out, motherfucker. Oh, keep up. A weird, what the hell ever. A weird guy who's in some sort of test pilot yeah. thing land ends up at this diner with this creepy like detective dude and, uh, alt murder girl. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't know what's, I like, I can tell you what happens in this comic book. I cannot tell you what is happening in the greater scope of this, of this comic book, but. It kind of, it kind of feels like 
like he's like there's some kind of like world shifting going on or like he's in some kind of crazy like gunslinger like like time is damaged future yeah you know and shit just doesn't quite work well i don't i feel like that whatever he flight he was in you know they allude to it Mm -hmm. having the potential to take him places that aren't real like like our alternate like weird distorted universes or whatever i don't i like what this book is putting down i will probably i usually just anything right anything written by yeah. Warren ellis i generally buy and having phil hester on the book is a plus mm. um it, it is a gross weird strange it's horrifying like, it is yeah a, like a, a mystery of a comic but i like it i enjoyed it i i want to know what's happening like it's intriguing do you know what this makes me think of? And I kind of, I don't know if I would want it to be that or not, that it feels like you've seen the movie, the cell. Yes, I have seen the cell. I like the cell. It, it, it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Isn't it Vincent D'Onofrio? That's the villain in it. Yes. Yeah. It kind of feels like we're in the middle of the cell <laughs> and there's, but with no fucking setup. Right. You know, like this is just like, this guy's weird dreamscape and people are like breaking into it, you know, like to just sort of observe him and figure out what's going on. It's strange to say the least, but you couldn't ask for, uh, uh, any, any cooler people to make this book. You, you read it and you, you buy this book and then you tell me what the fuck's going on. Cause this shit's crazy. I think I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that I'll even know everything after everything's finished with it, but yeah, I, I trust, I trust Warren Ellis. <laughs> he's like, he's like abusive to his readers. This shit just makes less and less sense. It's, it's pretty fascinating though. Let's do it. It's fucking crazy comic. Let's go for it. So it's double buy on shipwreck. Number one. <laughs> What the fuck? I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> 2016. Reality's breaking down and all comics are insane. Uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. Uh, we floppies is finally over. We can move on to checking in. Checking in is the part of the show. Eric and I will talk about what we've been up to uh, during the week. We've seen, done, played, read, or thoughts, whatever. It's our time. I, I've just got, I, I think I'll directly segue into more, mm-hmm. war, more Warren Ellis news and more DC thinking outside the box news in that they have hired Warren Ellis to reboot, I guess reboot. I don't know if they actually use the word reboot, but rough, I think that's the general consensus is that this is what this is. Reboot the Wildstorm universe, the, the Jim Lee creation that is currently owned by DC, uh, which, you know, Midnighter and Apollo originated from. But much like they've done with Young Animal, Warren Ellis will be, I believe, writing a comic and then kind of curating the rest. I, one, I'm super, like, I don't know what happened that Warren Ellis is willing to work for DC again. Like, I'm, what I'm guessing is complete editorial control is what mm-hmm. they said to him. And cause that's, I think. I would, I would also hope a shitload of money as probably, well. Probably also a good amount of money, uh, but. I think it also is much like I, hey, I, if I'm going to be doing this amount of thing, I want to be able to have complete control over it, you know, for to at least to a certain, to all lo- like logical extent. 
which was the big problem when he left DC a long ago at this point. I don't know. I like there has been a shift at some point where I'm going like I'm more of, I think I'm more of a DC fan than I'm a Marvel fan at this point. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting that way. Um I think that everyone's just starting to see the writing of on the wall with um image picking up so much steam and everyone shit talking uh all, all the big two and all the creators basically saying, well, fuck this. I can go make more money at Image or with Oni or whatever. People buy this because they like me. I'm the talent. You know, you, all you guys do is meddle and tell me about your master plan and how we need to put Batman in every comic. Uh, yeah. I, I, and I, I don't know. I Wildstorm is like the 90th of things. And I'm interested to see what that means with Warren Ellis kind of like rebooting it. Like Gen 13 was a Wildstorm comic. Yeah. Apparently, actually, there were some good Gen 13 comics. I enjoyed quite a few of them. Okay. If if I'm being perfectly honest, I it was just a very I don't know. It was a very 90s thing. I barely remember it. I haven't revisited. Maybe we can do that at I, some point. But we we probably should. I think it would be charming. I, I don't like. It feels like DC is just every, they're like doing, they're slowly moving away from the bad decisions. Like, hey, <laughs> let's, let's have, we'll hire, we'll, hey, Tom King is the hottest young writer in mm-hmm. comic books. Let's hire him ex- and make him exclusive and have him write Batman. That Let, it's, it, it, it makes me happy. We'll do these young animal imprint with all these weird books and not metal. What's, Hey, Dead Man's not even yet. Dead Man's not a young animal book. It's just a weird romance comic, kind of, mm-hmm. just like published in the like, it, it, like an older like I, I don't know some of their their mainstream like the superhero books in general seem to be of wildly mixed quality. But that's kind of Marvel too. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. You know, there's is I think is just as many DC books I'm reading regularly as I'm reading Marvel books at this point, which is not a thing I would ever like. If you asked me that a year ago, I'd be like, "That's crazy." Mm. That a year from now, I'd be thinking that. And now with like those Warren Ellis Wildstar books, I'm gonna be reading all of those. Like this is, it feels like a seismic shift. Like DC having a gay couple headline a comic book, like having like all these things, like. I don't know what's happened, but I applaud DC for uh, like adjusting and, and even and especially at the end of DCU when they're like, "Oh, this is a failure. We're just gonna go back." But they didn't. Instead, they pivoted to, like a third direction. When you when you lose a ton of money and a lot of market share, and the only thing paying dividends is like you know your your new fan base, your Babs Tar, and they're leaving you to go to Image. Mm-hmm. And do their own shit and not be screwed with by you. I think you're gonna figure it out. I mean, DC has lost market share year after year. They're, I mean, didn't they drop to like? I don't know what was it. It surely it didn't get to twenty two percent. It was pretty low. It's yeah, that's insane. But I mean, what it, what are you it gonna was, get? It was you, under thirty. That's I believe. Yeah, no. If it's under thirty, then I think the twenty two is. I'm probably guessing correctly based on, but, but (laughs) something that you you say a lot, uh, in business, if you're doing the same thing over and over again and you're keep getting the same result, well, it's, it's, it is insane. 
to keep to expect something different. Like, well, maybe if we just wish harder, <laughs> maybe maybe all of these millennials that are buying comics from the creators that used to work for us, maybe they'll buy maybe they'll buy Bat Dad. <sighs> I'm excited. That's like I just wanted like I. It's worth like, getting excited about. People this, taking notice and making good content is always, it's always exciting. I think people are understanding that good story and being driven by, I mean, good competent creators is important and not like this weird idea of massive continuity. Like it's an insane, stupid thing. I don't know. I, I, I've also been playing Dark Souls 2, which came out like three years ago. So. So good, you're current. Yeah, I'm, I'm right up. It was $12 on Steam sale. So, that's all I got. Eric, what, do you, what what's up? What have you been doing? I know you're still drawing rock stars. Guitarist, excuse me. Guitarist. Yeah, don't, don't get it wrong, you goon. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah, I'm drawing rock stars, doing Inktober stuff. Got invited to a, um, an art show, uh, sort of late in the game. They needed a couple more pieces and I brought two into the show and came down and, showed off some uh you know showed off some prints but it was it was fine i don't know that it's really all that worth discussing but i did want to at least mention you know being in another show and you know general just sort of art scene stuff i uh i don't know i kind of wanted to come back to what you were discussing with uh the whole creative control thing Okay. Because I was thinking about this earlier. If I can use my checking in time to talk about something that I was chewing on, maybe we can have a little bit of discussion on it. Sure. That it, it does sort of feel like the, the success of Marvel really became, it, it came out of, uh, the Disney purchase. And when that eventually caught up to it, like Disney became more successful through the purchase of Pixar. With sort of that John Lasseter Pixar approach to like story and character first. And it feels like that's what started to work for Marvel when they started that, that trickled down to them and they started doing books like, um, Spider Woman and, and more importantly, uh, Hawkeye. Right. But now it feels like they've gotten so up their own butt with, all of their non comic book properties and trying to create like an MCU, a Marvel cinematic universe and tie in Netflix to that and do all the stuff that's not comics that they're, they're working they're all these weird editorial decisions. Let's put another civil war property out there. Let's it, it, it feels like things are kind of reversing themselves that it's all non-artistic decisions to try and sell more books, and it has made Marvel less exciting. I feel like how, how does that how does that sit with you? I feel like it isn't as exciting because Marvel has been doing it for a while, and I think DC has been, you know, like throwing money at certain people just to like, hey, mm -hmm. no, you're like Tom King is a the first example. Like they immediately spot like, wow, look at. Like, he has five books out, and they're all top level. Yeah. Let's grab him and keep him. Let's get mm -hmm. him now before it's too late, before we can't afford him, or before he, someone else goes. Or he hit strikes oil with some creator-owned book and probably isn't interested necessarily in writing 
well, you give him someone the chance to write Batman, they're probably going to, you know, that's a pretty enticing option because, like, a lot of people have very nostalgic feelings towards Batman. I feel like Civil War Two is a big like right now. My perspective is so skewed by that event taking over almost all these books that it's hard for me to appreciate. Like DC doesn't have like they have Rebirth, but Rebirth isn't like a line wide event. That's like all these books are. It's just hey, we're this is like a, a soft reboot, and some of these books are gonna be good, some are gonna be bad, some are gonna be in the middle. But it's not like hey, they all have to be about one thing. I think mm-hmm. that's my biggest problem with these line and wide events, especially when they're bad. And like clearly that Civil War Two is clearly even the title, like it's not even like trying to be creative. It's very much going like, no, uh, people know Civil War, so we're just gonna call it Civil War Two. It is clearly like this oh, is yeah. a pure editorial decision. Everything in it seems like editorial decisions. They're like, hey, Bendis, what ideas do you have? All right, well, that we need this, this, and this to happen. What? How do you, can you fit that to work? And he goes, okay. Bendis is a Marvel guy through and through. The, I, I think Bendis will always be always right for Marvel. I don't see him ever leaving Marvel. Like, there's still tons of great books by Marvel right now. Like, I mean, Black Panther, uh, Black Widow. Uh, you know, the Captain America books I think are really good. Um, mm. And there's other books like Doctor Strange, like all the Jason, Jason Aaron's Thor. And I think in 20 years, we look back, his Thor run is going to be up there with uh, Simonson's. Like those are like, it's not going to be like, hey, what's a Thor? What's Thor run? Should we, should I read? And everyone first answer was you should read Walt Simonson's. Now it's going to be you should read Walt Simonson and Jason Aaron's both on Thor God of Thunder and Mighty in Mighty Thor with Jane Tho- Jane Foster. Like I feel like that it's going to be that revered because it is just consistently amazing. There's, it's just, it's hard to see that stuff, but at the same time, like, a lot of people got angry when they started giving those legacy hero titles to new characters. Mm. You know, like, when, when Jane Foster became Thor, like, people got upset, because, no, that's not my Thor, blah, 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 blah. And to a point, I think that's it's a stupid opinion like of course well yeah do you think she's going to be thor forever do you think really that they're never going to make like odin's son thor thor again no of course they're going to at some point but and who knows how long that's going to live like yeah that. i don't like i, I feel like it could, there's it a could easily there just because of the i, I suppose the so but it could easily go on for a decade it's not like it's bad no it's very good it's excellent. Yeah. And like the fact that yeah. Odin's son's still a character. He didn't disappear. He's just different. Yeah. And like that's what makes it so fascinating. The fact that like death to characters is the boring thing. Like that's like that's why I really don't like it that they kill Bruce Banner or they, they, they kill Rhodey, like or they kill multiple men. Like it's not that's not the most interesting thing you can do to a character. No. It's uh, one of the most boring things you can do to a character, unless the death has a meaning. Like, and what was what was the meaning of Hulk's death in Civil War Two? What was the point of Bruce Banner dying mm. to make it so that to escalate the situation and have Hulk Hawkeye be like an outcast again? Like, why? Like, that's not he's not that's not interesting. Like, interesting to me is Bruce Banner. That's not a Hulk. Strip him of his power. Make it so that you he's cured. That's interesting to me. Cure the Hulk. And I think, like, the most int- – like, that's, the, like, the thing that they made Jane Foster Thor, that is interesting. Having Odinson stripped of his hammer, that is interesting. Having, like, the the Black Panther and Black Widow books are superb. Vision, also superb. 
Like, there's plenty of Marvel books that are really great, but I stop trumpeting them when I see three books in a row that are all Civil War crossovers. Like, I don't want to read that. I was so invested in this book, and now I got to read about them punching some people and their their conflicted thoughts. Like, there's a couple books. Like, the Miss Marvel books have still been really good because of how she has differed from Captain Marvel. And because that is tied in the legacy of Miss Marvel, like she started, like that book is literally tied in the first couple issues of her, like seeing Captain Marvel as a hero. And now that's kind of being ripped away from her. That is good. But why is Power Man and Iron Fist, their street level book about them, like fighting legacy, you know, Luke Cage, their legacy heroes that, you know, we as a, a modern reader probably is not familiar with. Why are they in Civil War too? Why? And I don't, I don't like if DC was doing that, I'd probably have stronger words against them, but they're not. And they're also having like, what, what like is the new and exciting, like, where's the young animal books from Marvel? You know, that weird thing. Where's, where's that mm-hmm. weird stuff that doesn't make necessarily fit into like superhero comics? Like DC's always had that legacy with Vertigo. And I don't know why they're, I don't know why they, the, the it's all branding. I understand, but. Like young animals, these books are just Vertigo books. It's not crazy. Like it's it's just Marvel doesn't have that. Like they Marvel does have that like indie imprint thing that they had Jason Bendis and Jason Aaron books they've used under that. But not many people. We you know it's just it's not the same. I don't know. Like I don't. It it feels just because Marvel for I think it it those multiple years of them seemingly growing and like mm-hmm. all their decisions being seemingly good. I think a lot of those come down to Jonathan Hickman and him being in charge of the Avengers, which is like, was there, you know, with the movies coming out, like the Avengers was their big book and they've, that kind of shine has fallen off because they don't have Hickman's direction anymore. Hickman was writing all those books and kind of guiding all those things and saying interesting things with like, like infinity and secret wars are really good stories. Like not you, mm. they're they're not interesting. The only reason Civil War Two is interesting is because it is drastically affecting all these characters that you care about theoretically. But it's not a good story. It's just people punching each other for no good reason. Secret Wars and Infinity were good stories that also had all these characters you're, that you cared about. There's that moment in Infinity where uh, Thor goes to bow to one of the the leaders of the, the alien forces. And he throws his hammer away before he does that. And just as he's about to, like, pledge fealty, like, you know, basically mm-hmm. surrender, the hammer comes back and whips right, like, blows a hole through that alien. That is something I'm going to think about for the rest of my life. That is a moment <laughs> in that comic book that I go, yeah, it's, I, that is I the kind of, when we read that, you were losing your mind. That is the kind of dumb, big action you know, I want mm. in these big event stories. Like, and against... He's not, he's, and it's not against, he's not fighting Iron Man or whatever. It's a, some threat outside, like, that's what I want out of my big event books. And I think Hickman is the big, like, driving force behind that. And you take him away, and now it feels like they're floundering. As like, like in a general, like, direction. That Marvel, not just like a book is headed in. Because like, you give me a Mark Wade book, it's, it's gonna make sense. He is a, the most veteran of veteran comic book writers. He knows how to do this frontwards and backwards. Of course that, that comic book is going to be good, but I don't, there's no direction the Marvel universe is going in aside from more dumb fighting between heroes, which I've, and as soon as DC does that, if they ever do that again, 
I'm probably gonna I'm gonna be is just as critical. Mm-hmm. But right now, even the books I don't necessarily like that much, they're more positive. They're more uplifting. They don't all read the same. They're all different from each other, you know. And you read a lot of these Marvel books, especially with this the event, just makes them feel the same. It's very much like, oh, I don't feel this way because of this, and I have to find some arbitrary reason for this character to feel this way, to have an opinion about Captain Marvel. This is just me going to be ranting about Civil War too. It's been pretty ranty. But DC doesn't. I don't know. Like, I think my biggest my biggest complaint about them is like it felt like there was a lot of books that was just direct editorial mandate. Yeah. And I think it's not to it me, doesn't it's feel just, like it's theirs, or at least not as heavy handed. Right. To me, the the interesting thing is just how it seems like the shoe has slowly jumped over to the other foot. And we'll see how long this lasts. At least I mean, you know, cinematic Marvel's pretty good now, but I it was kind of the same thing with DC is all their focus seemed to be on their television shows. And their movies were garbage, and their comics were garbage. Did I, have I answered? I, I'm not even sure if you, there was a question that I there answered wasn't. At some point. I I just I wanted to trick you into uh, <laughs> turning to, opening up to a faucet. about yeah yeah mission accomplished. <laughs> I don't have to talk about how I'm doing nothing but working. You're 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 working hard. Those 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 portraits are great. They're all I, awesome. I I appreciate you saying that. I'm I'm pretty sensitive about them. Actually, I don't like. I wish they were better. <laughs> well, I mean, you're doing them in a day, more or less. I'm I'm doing them in like an hour to, to. I mean, I did four of them this weekend. That's what I mean. Like it's like theoretically they're a day at a time, but yeah, you, no, they're they're you don't like, live I, like a you can't you don't have the time every single day necessarily to spend. Yeah. Well, I mean, even as an illustrator, you don't really, that's the trick, is the illustrators that are incredibly talented, I mean, you need to be able to bust something out in two hours and have it look fucking incredible. Like, you you can't just be good, you know, you have to also be blisteringly fast. That just is the reality of working as an illustrator, comics or whatever, you you. I mean, you should look up a video of someone like Mobius or, or Juan Jimenez or really anyone that you can think of as really good, like drawing or painting or doing whatever, and they they don't take their time. They get it done quick because they have to. That's that's how you survive. Right. But it, I've known people that say. It's relaxing to print watercolor. Watercolor is the most stressful thing I can think of. <laughs> I I literally like it's like doing cardio, you know. It like my I I literally like my heart. I get like a rapid heartbeat doing watercolor. To have to move so fast, it's crazy. Interesting thing about these is there's no pencil under drawing. I'm doing all my drawing in in watercolor. Do you like doing that? It's a different sort of thing, I suppose, you know. Uh, I mean, I can draw with a brush just like anything, you know. Right. I've gotten used to doing brush pen artwork, and doing more actual ink work with a brush has been uh, interesting. I've enjoyed doing that. But it's a it's a different set of challenges, you know. It, 
I don't know. Every one I do, I just want to just do the next one and see if I can get better. Or I'll like look at it and be really upset with myself that it looks weird or wrong or I don't know. I'm I'm trying to do a lot of things here, you know, exaggerate and caricature and create a likeness and I think it's, it's a it's a lot to take on. They're pretty good, they're pretty top notch. Mm. It's it's just a lot. It Inktober's, is a lot. It's a lot of work. Inktober's it is. Inktober's a big deal to me. It stresses me out. Um. Yeah, it stresses me out kind of a lot. That uh, I don't know. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of things to think of, and it's I don't know. It's high, high pressure, high stress, more than it should be. It does not relax me at all. <laughs> anyway, I probably shouldn't talk about it anymore. I just keep jabbering. Which one's your favorite so far? I imagine you have a favorite. I think it's Brian May. Is it Brian May? I think so. I like what you do yeah. with his hair. Yeah. That's probably the one that I took the longest to like do concept and make it work. That I I don't know. I like the ones that I did today a lot. I feel like I'm kind of getting a better handle on doing these and that I feel like um the Zach Wilde and the Jimi Hendrix work best as a caricature. So I I don't know. I like the way that I'm trending. We will we will see how I feel about these the more I do. I look forward to them every day. I'm glad. You might not get one tomorrow. I did Mondays already. I shouldn't have posted it. It, <laughs> didn't, get, it, it didn't get any traction. I feel like that Jimi Hendrix is one of the best ones I've done, and no one has liked it, which is another thing. Like I get really too obsessed with social media when I'm doing stuff like this. But it is, yeah, I mean, it is basically a social media game. You know, it's hard to disconnect from that. It is. It really is. And that's kind of the thing about being an artist is there are a hundred thousand examples of people that are much better than you to the point that they don't even look human. But I, I would imagine that all of them are just as neurotic as I am about this. How can they not be? Uh, we can uh, move on to our final segment. We can talk about the Omega Men. You ready? Mm-hmm. We can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is the part show where Eric and I will sign a longer collective work and discuss it in depth like you would uh, a book in a book club. But instead, it's a comic book. We are discussing the Omega Men by Tom King and Barnaby Begenda, uh, New York's best-selling Omega Men. Mm-hmm. I'm I, like, this is an audacious comic book. I feel like audacious. Yeah, like I feel like it is going for a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it is. Like, I I don't think Tom Tom King doesn't do. Um, he doesn't do small stories. Not really. I mean, maybe the smallest ones, Vision and um. Sheriff of Babylon, but there's just, it's plugged into such big ideas that they're really not that small. No. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah, he, it's, it's, this book has the lar largest scope, certainly. Mm -hmm. Sheriff of Babylon is, you know, about us in the Iraq War and, and, and occupation and all that, but, you know, the characters, we're only seeing three for the most part. You know, they're the three main characters. And Vision is, 
four sort like it's the family but it's real yeah that's really just one character it's vision like i don't like yes. i feel like that book is about vision and that's it uh this book is a much bigger cast and much grander like it is about a planetary system about the nature of like i've seen it posited online that like this sheriff of babylon and vision are this weird trilogy it's like like and i can see it sort of like like this is about this is like sheriff of babylon is sort of like from Mm-hmm. Like this, Sheriff of Babylon share a lot of themes. They they do. I mean, it's occupation and the idea of the well-meaning evil empire. You know, I, I if we're anyone, we're this. Um, what are they called? What's the What's the empire called in this? Oh. Not the collective. The uh, what are they called? I don't remember. Like I know the viceroy, but I don't remember what he's the viceroy of. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean. Whatever, yes, I, I yes. He, he's the leader of whatever he's the leader of, basically. Yeah. We, we're – the United States is those people that we go around the world and assert our will on people with the best of stupid and clumsy intentions. It's – and like Kyle Rayner's in this. That's the weirdest thing to me. Yeah, it doesn't – like nothing about this. Like it feels – very much like its own isolated thing, and then they're like, "Okay, but put a put a lantern in there." I, I, and and is 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 whose idea was it that we need to make uh, make Kyle Rayner pray in Spanish? I don't remember when that happened. I'm not sure. I can't. I've never been. Again, I'm not a huge Lantern Lantern fan to begin with, so I don't. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember Kyle Rayner ever being a religious guy, but. I kind of, I like that he's religious. Yes. I mm-hmm. like that he has like in this world of this alien religion of alpha and omega. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, Let's, no, yes. Christian God, still Jesus and stuff. Well, I mean, when he's talking about his God, he also is talking about, he, he's talking about, I don't think he's talking about, uh, and that's soliloquy towards the end where yeah, he's yeah. like, my God's let everyone down. Yes. He's not talking about the Christian God. He's talking about the lanterns. Isn't he? He's talking about whatever the, 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 the elders or whatever the shit they are. I feel like I even read it further. Like, this is very much like he is like, I always, I, I felt like, no, he, his gods, meaning like, I thought he was just talking like he is a god, like in the, yeah. in, in the DC world. He you know, might as well be, yes. Yes. All these people, all these super powered people, all these metahumans are gods, basically. Yeah. And he, they are failing. Because of these things that happened, of mm-hmm. the genocide that we see, I felt like I, I feel like the his religion of a Christianity is it, it. There's not many anchors in this that connect this to our world. Yeah, that's that's really what it is. Is it grounds him and connects him to his past and his family to Earth? Because it's, it's it's huh to Earth as well. Yeah. Yes, but it's like his grandmother's cross, right? that he uses to barter whatever in the heck it was. Do you think this would be better? I I feel like this was, I know that it certainly was like almost canceled Mm -hmm. or canceled then brought then quickly uncanceled, whatever. And then given 12 issues, do you feel like this was originally supposed to be more? Mm. Should it be more? I don't know. I, to be perfectly honest, uh, of all the Tom King that I've read, I feel like this is the weakest. Um, 
which, it interests me the least. Which parts so are I, the weak I, points? Can you like pinpoint anything? I don't. I don't know that I can. I just don't find it interesting. The the weird like bite on Watchmen that it keeps doing is really strange to me. What the grids? The well, not just the grids, but also ending with the quote, and instead of the the clock, it's the Omega. It it. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Why would you reference like one of the most well-known? Uh, Doctor Manhattan, well Manhattan wrote this comic book, Eric. Didn't you know? That's part of the rebirth. So. That's what happened. This, that's true. This is a Doctor Manhattan comic. Okay. Tom that's King right. is Doctor Manhattan. That is what I'm saying. I'm saying Tom King is Doctor Manhattan. Okay. Neat. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really. The Superman think... is real and he works for DC. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said God is real and he works for oh. DC. Oh, oh, that's that's so much better. I I I I didn't. You think that's a purposeful homage? Oh, absolutely. Whenever you see that that exact same grid, it's. I mean, yeah, it's a perfectly ordinary thing to do that. But the, I don't know. You put that that heavy quote at the end of every issue. You're you're referencing that on purpose. I don't know what he's trying to say. But he's absolutely trying to say something and make us think of the Watchmen. It's too many coincidences. It can't just be, oh, well, let's do a grid of nine panels and then a quote at the end. Because that's really neat. That's, no. And a lot of this isn't that grid. It's interesting. They just have that grid and then they have some panels that span it sometimes. It's, it's, it's a weird decision. I feel like it is purposeful in like the very end of this comic book like mm -hmm. literally talks about panels yes. and grids which i i thought that was i didn't like that i really i really did like it explain to me why you like it because i just looked at that and rolled my eyes and i'm like okay that's i guess you could end the book that way explain to me why that works for you because it it feels really silly to me well Kyle Rayner i mean he they show him drawing Yes. In the book. Like, I, that, I, I, I get that. That's, it's not a, like, if that was out of the blue from, like, with no other context, I'd be like, this is mm -hmm. dumb. But they do show him drawing. Like, even mm -hmm. if you don't have a history of, with Kyle Rayner as a character, like, oh yeah, he draws. Um, it, it's used kind of as, as a device. Like, you know, this book is a very much about, like, black, like, it shares a lot of parallels with Watchmen, honestly. It, it shares very much, like, that, like particular like the combat between like these mm -hmm. different characters that all represent these very strange systems of morality and mm -hmm. like Rorschach is very much you know the, the the Randian objectivist black there's black and there's white yep and that is kind of the 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 the, the changes here that is that largely the Omega Men led by the princess by Callista she is there is there are only two ways there is Alpha and there is Omega. There are two mm -hmm. ways to do this. And, you know, Kyle Rayner is very much like, there is a third way. We can, we don't have to appeal to these, this black and this white. We can try and find a solution that's not one of these two things. And, you know, you see that nine panel grid reappear many times through these 12 issues. And then I feel like him reinforcing that at the end, like, it is kind of, a, 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 it is, I'm not going to say it's not heavy handed. But because it, it is like it is very much heavy. It is very much like mm -hmm. it, like the the writer and the 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 creative team kind of appealing directly to the reader. 
I don't mind it in this case because it is very much like a, it is trying to make us aware, the reader, that the separation, which like it's all about the separation about the conflict between the Omega Man and this greater force that has committed this genocide and is, you know, kind of monstrous in their eyes. And yet at the end, we see that all these people mm -hmm. are the same. Yes. There's no delineation. They, the, they, now that they're in control of certain situations or they're facing the same problems. And what, what are they gonna, like, they're, are they gonna have to resolve them the same, like, through brute force, like Callista, who is, like, those problems don't go away just because you take away this dystopic leader. How do you solve them? And you, there's this, that scene when they're in the, uh, I don't know what you would call that space but where that the speaker is and that they have that confrontation when rainer reclaims the ring mm -hmm. you remember what i'm talking about and like yeah and well they call each other savage and that they're civilized you know and it's that is a it's a callback to that and the way it, it's just kind of it made me think i'm always interested in kind of metatextual discussions about the audience verse versus the 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 performance and how we are you know, we're looking at things through a screen or through uh, on a page, and it creates this distance. And that last page is very specifically like saying there is no distance. The, the things you see on this comic book page, the things you see on a television screen, the things you you see far away, as an audience, it is, I mean, the internet, hell, the mm -hmm. internet as a whole has this perception of separation and like that, the fact that he's like, yeah, these grids, they have, gives you a perception of separation. It's not there. This is all the same. It's all, and I, like it, if it was in a different book, I might not like it, but because this book is basically saying like, we have this vision of terrorist and, and, or revolutionary or dystopic leader or, 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 or esteemed revered leader, like tyrant. We all have these, visions of black and white of distance that's illusory mm. it's manufactured i feel like if it is trying i think if it's using the stuff that washman did like washman was also very much like look at all this gray like the comedian a monster of a man right but also sad at times like he misses he wants to know his daughter like he's a gross dude who did bad things but also He's still like misses like he's sorry that he was a bad person at times. He misses his daughter. Like it's the same. Like I feel like this is also like getting to that same point of like there's so so much shades of gray that people just don't see. Yeah, and I I don't I'm not I I'm just kind of don't want that in a dumb story about the Green Lanterns. And <laughs> it's 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 this big silly story about terrorists and green lanterns and talking catmen and it just doesn't feel it, as artful or relevant or important even though yeah i i see what you're talking about and yes these things are in there but i'm not saying that this is as artful as watchmen this is not no this is not to that not. level it is for, for me for me this book starts off fairly weak gets pretty strong I would say issues seven through, I don't know what it goes to 12. Yes. Probably through 10, seven, seven to 10, maybe seven to 11 are very good. 
And then this last issue kind of loses me because it's doing that. And I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying on any of these things. And I do think that is inherently interesting, but what it, it's like, why would you run off and try and knock off the watchman? Why would you try and say anything that watchman hasn't already said better than you? Well, I think that's, like I like this book is that it's trying. I don't think it's better. No. I think I think it's try like one I think it, it if this book was if this arc was if this is 18 issues instead of 12, mm-hmm. I think it's better. I think it needs it needed more room. I feel like there's certain set pieces in this where you could see that Tom King had the idea of them already, but mm-hmm. there's also a lot of this stuff where I say like, oh, he was clearly rushed. He had to get to this point quickly, and so he made it the sim- probably the simplest way he could think of. But that doesn't necessarily make it good. Like, I think he just, like, it was a victim of, like, well, I got to get to this thing in 12 issues. Let's get there. I don't care what happens. And I get that. But I think the stuff that's the weakest is the stuff that's, like, those first six issues to where he's trying to build suspense and go slow and do all these things. And it's just, like, it's, it, to me, it was just inherently not as interesting as, well, let's reveal this planet and talk about the Empire and talk about what the, 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 the hard choice that they felt they had to make. It, it just wasn't, it didn't, it didn't sell me. Those first six issues didn't sell me the way the second ones did. I actually like the first, I like, like, Matt, I think like one through five, I think I like the, like, and then the, like the last two or three. I felt like those issues that the ones with the planets and all that like were good, mm-hmm. but I was like, they seemed so fast and rushed. I was just like, well, okay, that's like, I want more. Like we are spend like less than an issue on the planet where there's j- like 7 billion graves. Like that is mm-hmm. such an interesting setting where yeah. these lonely robots had to dig graves for 7 billion people. Mm-hmm. Like that is like, I wanted more time there. I felt like there's more time to explore. Like, I think that that rushing through that stuff doesn't do justice to that early build. I like the early build. I, I, and I thoroughly don't. I mean, I just think that in the end, the characters in this aren't really rich enough. I mean, if they, they strike me as very tropey. And a lot of the shape of this story is very tropey. I mean, none of it's terrible, but I mean, it's, it's the evil empire story. I've seen the savage cat guy a dozen times. I've seen the big strong stone guy a million times. I've also seen the, the cast out exiled priest thing. I, I don't know that I've ever seen like the, um, the nonviolent protester turned uh soldier that's uh, something a little bit interesting the 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 warrior princess i say i I, there's not a whole lot of stuff in here that's like really crazy mind-blowing and i i was turned off pretty well from the get-go i wasn't i wasn't drawn in and intrigued and we spent a lot of time in it and it i don't know it it felt fine it just like okay, well, I guess this is on, and it wasn't until those big ideas, like the planet and the the high stakes of 
oh, well, we have all these worlds and we have this really big problem that they're all going to die and we need this, this, this mineral or whatever it is to mine out of here and we had to take over the whole planet and basically kill everyone to save a billion worlds. That's when this became interesting. That's when it showed me something that I hadn't seen. And, and that conflict of that choice and that, that's when it really started to be different. That all the setup didn't show me anything that interesting or compelling. Why, why was it different for you? I, I just bought, I think I just bought in. I just went, okay, mm-hmm. well, I, I mean, I'm not, there's always, I don't, I, I very rarely see stories like, there's people I read online who like, who have gone down the rabbit hole of like TV tropes. Mm-hmm. And all they see now is that. Yeah, and I I don't like to. It, I I I don't. I'm not going to criticize something just for that. You know, don't think that I'm that guy. But if it's just a straight up piece of genre fiction, I, I don't know. I it think... didn't. It didn't start off with amazing characters that that hooked me. It had, it just didn't, it didn't have any meat to it. Well, I, I felt like that the, the initial time you spend with those characters, which do appear, they, I mean, they are tropes. I mean, that's, that's a, mm-hmm. most stories. I mean, uh, Saga, that's Romeo and Juliet. It's not, com- mm-hmm. you know, it's not complicated, but that's again. Yeah, but what's interesting, not- what, what's interesting about it is all the ways that it's not Romeo and Juliet and exactly. the ways that it subverts the tropes and it starts off with many of those things and it i mean i don't think you really get the shape of this story until you're pretty well into the story like it's not really clear where this is going i i I thought that was i just bought that as like this is i think that's the again i think an issue with the the rushed you know like production Mm -hmm. i feel like the first six issues had we're heading in a completely different direction than those second six issues. Yeah. I think he had to pivot. They yes. had to pivot very quickly to like, oh, we need to get directly to, I feel like a lot of the joy in those, in that second six issues in the second arc is the subversion of what these characters are and where the world's like, you get an origin basically for every single one of these characters, right? You get to see all mm-hmm. of their home planets. You get to see, okay, this girl is from the planet that everyone's dead on this this is a the robot is the robot that was tasked to kill everyone on that planet the 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 wild cat guy was a child suicide bomber like Mm -hmm. i i think i'm not positive i think i this book would benefit from a little bit more time in each of these locales and more with each character i think that first whole arc is like predicated on what do they want with Kyle Rayner, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that is what it is. It's very much like, hey, here's these characters. They're the, you got the shooty one, you got the the stone guy, you got the wild cat man, you got kind of the hesitant leader character, and then you see them finally bring in Callista, who is their a real leader, who's more of a bloodthirsty kind of cold black and white character, and the core. It does feel very much like they, I think this, do you, okay, do you think this book does, is better if it's just like, hey, no DC universe, it's just like, completely new creation, no reliant, no Green Lantern in it, 
Yeah, I mean, it basically is already. Yeah, aside, I mean, these characters kind of exist in DC, but not in any modern form. For I mean, mm-hmm. there was an Omega Man in the New Fifty Two, but it quick, it yeah, did not, it did not last very long. I I mean, aside from Kyle Rayner, if you wanted to replace him in the story, you'd just pick up a different character with some sort of power. Like it does, it mm-hmm. doesn't like just because he has a Force Ring, Will Ring, or whatever, you can just gives a new another character some other MacGuffin and he reclaims and becomes powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it was trying to do what like what Sheriff of Babylon is doing basically. Kind of a very much slower mm-hmm. burn and I think would be lib- you'd be seeing these different like Well I just think that what what it does that this fails to do. Mm-hmm. This gives me six issues with characters that I don't give a shit about. And then starts to push me into caring about them. I mean, I am just forced to go along with this ride. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the characters. They don't have those moments. Like, think about, uh, what is, what is the, oh, she's named after one of Muhammad's daughters. What is her name? The wife. What is her name? No. No. She's also named after. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of her name, but she's like the the contractor and like the mm-hmm. mafiosa yeah. kind of figure. I can't remember her name. Went to uh, America and came back. Yes, that like she has she has a really great save the cat moment where you know she goes and she brings her mafia dudes and they take out this guy and everyone is impressed with her and you're impressed with her too. You're like, man, she's awesome. You know, you take her really serious and it's really interesting. And there's none of that in this. And in, I mean, it's it's not unique. It doesn't tell me that they, they don't set up enough about the characters. And it it's I don't know. It's it's frustrating. It could it could really stand a lot more polish. I think I feel like Tom King maybe learned a lot about. Uh, uh, about what he wants to do with this. And I feel like he had a tighter vision of that towards the end of it. Sophia. Sophia. Like, I, I don't, I, do you think that was it, would be, is it? Talking is challenging. It's, it's difficult. Do you think this story would benefit from less characters? Or more likable characters? Or is it? Possibly less characters, but I think I wish they had taken a lot of the injecting of character that we don't get until the end and put it in those first six issues. You know, that I think there's a lot of dead wood in it's in my opinion, in those first six issues. That's like, who gives a rat's ass about Kyle Rayner? I have all these other characters I th- that I have to exper- I have to learn their names and what their role is and their personality, so to speak. And I know nothing about them. I don't know why I'm rooting for them. And I don't pick up on that until like issue seven or eight. I think I think this book presupposes two things that end up hurting it. Mm-hmm. One is that we care about Kyle Rayner. Yes. Which I mean, I eventually in like what's happening to him but he mm-hmm. still as a character is i i don't know if it takes what us having like a not knowledge of him as a character in the past or whatever but i think that's one like it presupposes hey you know who kyle rayner is and you care that he's been kidnapped and two 
I think it is not focused. It a, a little. I wish the first six issues, that first arc, was more clear about what it wants us to feel about these terrorists, about mm-hmm. the Omega Man. I think that I think that Tom King wanted these to appear as terrorists, right? Not yes. likable, generally distrust, you know, non untrustworthy stuff like that. And I think that it the book splits the difference a little bit in trying to show us some of their perspective, but also giving us like, hey, no, you like, and it, I think that that was also predicated on us like caring about Kyle Rayner. It's like, look at these awful things they're doing to Kyle Rayner. These must be bad guys, right? But because I don't really care that much about Kyle Rayner, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, they've they've kidnapped him. That's fine. Um. And I like I again I feel like we are already reading it. So of course there's some reason they have him. It's not you know it's I wish it it was a little bit bolder in that like it just made them despicable like more despicable. Mm-hmm. I like I think the strongest of those first six issues to me is the Callista one where it shows her just murdering people like stabbing natives through the eyeball like yeah. in the beginning you're just like oh man and then you finally see that she's the leader and you're like oh crap all right. Like, it gives her strong, like, she is convict, she has convictions about this. Like, she is willing to murder people every day just to keep up this facade. And, like, that's mm-hmm. interesting. But none of the other characters seemingly have, like, they're a little, like, they're not super likable. You're like, they're not on our team, but they're also not villains. And that is a very difficult road to hoe when there's, like, six of them and we don't get that much time with them you know, per person, you know, it's not, Hey, here's an issue just about this one character, which we kind of more get in those, in that second arc, you know, where we go to the planet of each of these people and kind of see, Oh, this is their origin story. You know, like we get to the planet where the, 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 the rock guys from, which I, 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 I really like the idea that they pay mm-hmm. people pay to break this, try and break this unbreakable rock to get to this thing. Um, also felt really manipulated that uh the most of the team didn't know who the didn't know who the princess was and then all of a sudden after they kidnap her and everyone's almost dead then she's suddenly the leader felt I, pretty manipulated by I, that i didn't i didn't like it i reread that issue and actually you can read them as just bad acting mm-hmm. you can like especially when you look at that fight scene she has with a uh, tiger guy and he's constantly going more, and she's like more. I like you can deliberately read that as like, oh well, he's like, when are we? When is this fight over? Like I know, mm. like that. You reread that, and I go, oh okay, I can understand that, because that's the most interaction. Like I still think they go. I mean, I guess they'd have. Again, I think that's also a victim of the shortness. Like I think that that sequence, like from where, like that's the worst part of this to me. Of this comic is the part like it's five, six, seven ish in there when they suddenly all are like imprisoned and then there's a suddenly the ship crashes and suddenly everything's mm-hmm. like like that segue between it's like this the the shift between that first arc and the second arc where they're going between yeah. the planets. It that is I can like I could just I could see it right there, like, oh, they are rushed because it felt very much like the princess is not supposed to be directly questioned that she's the leader. Like it very, mm-hmm. felt very much like they were intending to have the princess be like a kind of shadowy figure. Yep. But it didn't end up the, that the, way because this, they didn't this, have time. Right. Yeah. And that I get. That's got to be 
what it's got to be. Um, they just went like I think they just kind of went like, well, we are at A. We need to get to Z. How do we get there and get so that we can actually like? I feel like there's multiple arcs planned between that first six issues and what the second six issues end up being, and we didn't see any of those things. We just jumped in between them. I, I think that it would have. I think you are right in a certain way in that Tom King was, like, learning. Mm. I think you've mentioned this before, like, when you were talking about artists. I think it, it stands out to me in The Walking Dead. Was it uh, Charlie Adler? Mm-hmm. Where as we went along, you're like, you can clearly see, like, look how better he gets. Yeah. Just by doing this work for years now. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the same. Like, I think Omega Men was the first Tom King comic that I can remember. I think this is mm-hmm. his first thing. that, and. I feel like he got appreciably better as he went along. And I feel like we would have seen that growth. It, I think we would have looked at it back on as it we looked at. I'm trying to remember another. I don't know. Like those early Punisher Max arcs where you're like, oh, these weren't that good. But then we kind of routed into form. I don't know. <laughs> I wanted, I would like more. I would like this comic to have given been given more time just because I think it was trying so much, you know? Yeah. It's, I would like to see him. I wouldn't mind it being more. I wouldn't mind eighteen issues of this, as long as it wasn't based on those first that first arc, which I, I like, guess ends. It's it does seem like it ends with the ship crashing. I, I don't like that's that's where they wanted to try and end the book. Yeah, I don't remember distinctly like how like all that those those issues like near the end of the first six issues like felt very mushy to me because it was cramming a lot of stuff happening in very quickly. Like they all get captured and then they're suddenly suddenly their cover just doesn't work anymore. Like that whole cover of like the idea is that Kyle Rayner is dead and then the princess was captured and suddenly their cover is just gone. They're just no, they're terrorists. Yeah. And I feel like that is obviously not what they're intending. I felt like they're no. obviously trying to have some time before they discover that they're, you know, terrorists. Well, it fa- I mean, what this is when it was canceled and he's like, well, let's wrap it up. Yeah. I and think they were that- going to end it. They were going to end it on that ship exploding because that's a good sort of finality, whatever. You know, it's not like an ending, but it is it's a point you can end on. Yes, exactly. You know? Uh, and I then mean, they got six more issues, and they're like, well, let's take 24 issues of stuff or 18 issues of stuff and put it in six. Yeah, and, like, you can also see it in the, all that the war stuff where it's, like, mm-hmm. jumping. We get, like, hey, it's the 30th day of the war, and then suddenly it's the 150th day of the war. Like, mm-hmm. see, I, like I appreciate, to a certain extent, the the tightness of that, where it can tell that story without necessarily expounding on it. But I do think that the characters probably would benefit from having, like, they just die. And you're just like, oh, I was just getting to know that rock man. And now he's dead. <laughs> There's, I wish I had more time. I think I would have liked a little bit more to know the rock man before he just died. Or, mm. or the robot who is, like, every robot in these types of stories. Like, hey, oh, we finally get to the planet and this payoff where he was tasked to murder these people and then had to raise one. Like, give me an entire flashback issue that is just the robot and uh, yes, the 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 girl being raised. By give him. me the give me the robot's loyalty mission. Yeah, just have him trying like the Wall-E style, like in this uh, destroyed world, him having to yeah. like, 
like make this baby survive. Mm-hmm. Like that's that would be good, but they, that does not happen. There's no time mm-hmm. for that. Um, would I be surprised if they? I mean, they kind of left this this story in a place that's not possible, but I appreciate any com- like this, especially in a superhero kind of stuff. Like this comic, like imagine a Green Lantern, a, a straight up like Green Lantern book that's trying to tackle the same issue. Mm. Like I'm not saying that'd be a good comic. But I'm saying I'd be reading that comic because I'd be interested. I want to see what they do. That's infinitely more interesting than the fifth time that Sinistro comes back. I completely agree with that. <laughs> I, I was I didn't think I didn't think I'd have any any dis- dissidents. Yeah. About the the next time that Sinistro is a threat. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 like this comic again brings up the kind of weird nature of buying comic books and supporting comic books. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Because you, there's no way you could just pick up issue four and jump in on this book. Mm-mm. No, you, you have to read from the beginning and kind of understand what it's doing. And comic books that need 30 issues to tell a story, but after five, its sales are bad, so we cancel it. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing? I feel I like I wish that I mean they do this in television but I really wish they just commit to like seasons of mm. like here is this story we know it's going to be this long we commit to this it will all yeah. be, it will all be published put the money up front yeah to a bank certain, on it to a certain extent yeah yeah I think they they get anxious about that you know rather than four guys salaries for 2 months you know you have four guys' salaries for a year, two years. Yeah, it's a, a lot more money to mm-hmm. to bank on a book, even if you aren't hardly paying them much. I mean, I just I think back to like comparing it again to the serialized nature of television. Seinfeld is one of the most successful television shows of all time, probably number two behind The Simpsons, and mm-hmm. like total amount of like like syndication rights really is the thing that makes the most money. Because you can air a show for 30 years after it's over and still make a lot of money off of it. Seinfeld was not successful for the first two seasons at all. Interesting. It was, it did poorly, bad even, but it, it just suddenly it hit the zeitgeist and it became the 90s and a show that most people have seen like almost all the episodes of. Mm-hmm. And I think some, you just gotta, ex- like, you can't expect those the people that only buy new comics that the people that buy like comics every week now the people who wait on trades which are most people mm-hmm. you can't expect them to keep all these comics buoyant there's just not enough money comics are expensive hobby is comics is an expensive hobby yeah i we haven't what do you think about the, the art in this eric to be perfectly frank it does not excite me okay it's fine I, I do not despise it, but I, I mean, I don't know. It reminds me of, oh, I can't think of the name of the artist, uh, from Copperhead. It reminds me a little bit of that. I get that. I definitely get that. I mean, it, it's, it might largely be because there's like these giant. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of aliens. Yeah, alien things kind of floating around, but it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it also has the kind of that like gritty, grittier, kind of like dirty feeling. 
Did you like there was that guest issue? What did you think about that? I liked it. It made me think of Mark Hempel. Do you know Mark Hempel? That name I've been sounds, thinking the about. Na- that name sounds familiar, but I can't. Place he it. did the the bulk of the kindly ones. The oh the, right 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 Sandman. Yeah, the Sandman story. Okay. I uh, I'm a big fan, particularly like when I was in college. I was very obsessed with uh, with Mark Hempel, and it reminded me of that a lot. You know, nice brushwork and high energy and really good cartooning, and it really played with the idea of. Um, like flatter space and flatter features and things like that. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. Let me see if I can jump back. Let's say by and large, I'm, I was not like super blown away by the art in this book. I mean, I think it looks fine. I like the covers a lot. Uh, I thought they were very interesting. The, the, the rest of it's just sort of passable, you know, it's it's fine. I, the the Copperhead comparison is very apt. I'm ready for more Copperhead. I'm ready for more Copperhead. You want to call it this very late for me here? I realize. Uh, and we are going quite long. This is an extraordinarily long ish uh, episode uh, issue. I will, I will issue Sue. I will cut some of it. I, I don't know. I feel like I would prefer this over something that. Like, taking this comic and trying... It has a point of view. Yes. It has a perspective. It is trying to get... is It has a something it is trying to say at the end of the road. You know, mm. I I think we both have problems with different, different things, but both have problems with the way things go in this book for different reasons. But at the end of the day, I would rather read this book that is going for something, that is trying to say something, even if it fails or falters or stumbles at times than just like a book that is just this character does these things mm-hmm. here's here's a comic it's gonna we're gonna keep putting them out like okay you have something to say and i think that is what like as we've gone through these rebirth books and the civil war 2 and like we were talking about kind of overall climate of superhero comics i'm looking for books that have something to say that have a perspective yes those, yes, are the, yes. those are the ones I'm reading. Like I, those Marvel books I mentioned, like Black Widow, Black Panther, uh, Thor, um, Vision, they are saying something. Mm-hmm. And this book says, I think that's. I think it it it's muddled what it wants to say, particularly in the beginning, but it does become clear. I like your I like your perspective on it. Like I'm but... glad I read this because, like, hey, it's trying. Mm. Like even if it, I I would a hundred percent this time rather that like I would rather something try and fail than something that is just like hey it's Superman he's Superman still I'm like okay or Batman like all that's all star Batman to me that is Scott Snyder all star Batman is this very much like like I like all like Scott Snyder's Batman run I can at least say like well he's he's doing what he thinks Batman should be. I think that's yeah. why Year Zero is the best of all that, is because it's trying to do something with Batman. Mm-hmm. And All-Star Batman is very much like, hey, Batman, my rib, I got shot with an arrow. I'm tough. Mm-hmm. This is very much like, hey, there's like terrorists and weird nine-panel grids, and hey, what are we, Watchmen? Like, and Tiger Man, like, whatever. I, it's, <laughs> it's like going for it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I agree with you that it is... 
a better thing for an artist to try and struggle and fail. Um, Even if that results in canceled comic books. Well. Which is a, a problem. It is a certain, it is certainly a problem. Alright guys, so that was The Omega Men, Tom King, Barnaby Baganda. Next week we'll be reading Descender, Volumes 1 and 2, Jeff Lee Meyer, Dustin Wynn, uh, crazy sci-fi stuff, delving. You know, it's totally unlike us to read, like, crazy sci-fi stuff right there. Nah. Nah. Uh, but join us next week, read that along, read along with us. I think that'll do it for this week. Quite a long episode. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com on Facebook at facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour on Twitter at HBC Hour. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your pod. Catcher service of choice really helps us out, really gets the word out, helps more people find the show. Obviously, word of mouth is also greatly appreciated. If you do not know what to say, simply say, man, them handsome boys sure know their comic books. That's it. Short and sweet. It's true. 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 Yeah. Honesty is always the best policy. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at MixMasterCereal. That's M-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? Well, what a great question. You can see my portfolio and my poster store at FreeWheelUnlimited.com. Uh, and you can see most of the things I get up to online by going to EricZGoodnight.com. That includes my, uh, my Instagram where I'm EasyGoodnight. And my Twitter, where I am at Mr. Bad Example, spelled M-R, Bad Example. So that folks will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.